Welcome back to those of you who have joined us before for the New Levels Coaching Podcast and for those of you who are joining us for the very first time, a very warm welcome. Remember, we are the endurance podcast that brings the endurance world lots of inspiration and education so you can literally go away and run with it. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by one of my former coaches, Mr. Alex Haynes, who is here to talk all about time. We have had a really good discussion prior to this podcast around is less sometimes more and we're going to go deep into that throughout the course of this episode and we're going to look at not just your time and balancing your time but also your training time and how to make best use of that. Alex is a former international athlete himself having represented Wales on numerous occasions not just on the road but also on the track and I believe the cross country. Yep. Yep. All three disciplines. All three, yep. Some achievement, that, isn't Thank it? You. Thank it's you. Pretty good. <laughs> He's also a British medalist on the track, over 10,000 metres. He's a brilliant coach. He is one of the coaches at New Levels Coaching, and he was my last coach in the sport to take me to new heights or new levels. We'll go with that. <laughs> new levels, particularly with my 3,000 metres and my 5,000 metres. Uh, progressing me down to 7.55 for 3K and a British medal, which is one of my proudest moments as an athlete, and also 13.47 for the 5K, very much thanks to Alex's doing, yeah. and I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit of that as we go as well. Yeah. So, lovely to hear you, Alex. I know you have been tuning into the podcast. Yep. You've probably heard your name mentioned a lot. I've been calling you out. It's the only reason I tune in, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to have you here. Gemma keeps saying, you need to get Hainsey on, but we are going to have to put a warning out because when we get together and talk about running, <laughs> it generally lasts a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. I hear Gemma talk to you about, um, well, you do like to talk, Lou, and that is literally what everyone in work says. Well, we just could keep this meeting to an hour because we know Alex likes to talk a lot. So, uh, yeah, we're in big trouble, I think. So we've got two of us who can talk, which is good for you at home because you're going to tune in and listen. So grab yourself a brew or a cup of coffee. I, I tend to call my tea my brew. But Alex has got his cup of coffee. He's yep. ready to go. Before we kick off, though, Hainsey, I'm going to refer to you as Hainsey because, you know, it's just natural. Yep. Um, before we kick off, how was your Christmas? How was it with the family? It was great. Yeah, it was the first kind of Christmas with the boys where they were really aware of what Christmas was. And it'll only get a bit better from now on. But they were good as gold. We had a really lovely time. Uh, I did the cooking this year. So, wow. Uh, I didn't do the turkey. My father-in-law did the turkey and he did a stellar job. But um, yeah, the rest of it I did. And uh, we had a really great time. I, we all got a little bit sick, as everybody seemed to do. So uh, it derailed a few of my running plans. But um my main present was a pair of running trainers, so uh, yeah, all's good in that for, on that front. And if Nick Hardy's tuning in, I believe it was a pair of ultras. Yep, it was. Uh, I didn't really know much about this, and I just mentioned to Lewis before we came in that there's probably a podcast somewhere in my shoe experiments over the last uh, six months, but um, they're kind of minimalist, zero-drop, ultra-trail running shoes. I did tons of research, sent a link to my wife who bought them for me, and uh I have to say, I absolutely love them. Absolutely love them. So it might be the best pair of trainers I've bought. Um, uh, and I'll keep trying them and come back and review them for you. It's really interesting because we were chatting before we came on and the, the type of trainer that I would hate and it shows the differences with runners. It's yeah. really important to do your research, find out what works for you. Uh, what is fascinating though, Alex, is you've had a bit of a break from the sport. You've had a lot of issues like stopping you from running. Although it doesn't seem to stop you playing football on a Monday night, which is always an interesting one. But you're now back. 
Yeah, well, on the football front, actually, quite interesting. It didn't stop me playing football, but it did definitely make me very, very bad at football. <laughs> and since I've got fitter and I've got and I've kind of solved some of these problems, uh, I'm much better at football as a, as a consequence. I'm not saying I'm very good at football, but I've definitely improved uh, on a Monday. So now it's worthwhile me showing up. Um, but yeah, I've started to run um, um, probably like around 30 miles a week, which... Again, not to give you kind of chapter and verse on my entire history, but it, I haven't run properly since I stopped running. I only stopped running because of injury. And I had multiple, 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 multiple attempts to get back because I love running. It's like always been my passion. Um, I kind of appreciate now I'm older to the point that I'm not going to be competitive like I was. And that was kind of hard to let go of. But I am in a space now where I'm really enjoying actually running. So I've run in the last 10 years. I haven't really enjoyed it. Two legs didn't seem to coordinate. Body just ached. I never really got that flowing feeling. And I'm finding that again today. I did a fart like this morning at 5.30 this morning on campus. Um, I just couldn't do that. Couldn't, couldn't do that. Couldn't have dreamt of doing that for a while. So I'm in a lovely space. Did a long run on Saturday, 16 miler. So um, I'm enjoying it and I'm looking at slowly phasing towards doing something fun like like you and Jem have been talking about on the podcast, the marathon trails, uh, the ultramarathon trails. Uh, that sort of thing really appeals to me. The longer, the better. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my goal. But, yes, very much in a sweet spot at the minute. And I, I knew you were enjoying your training because we seen you one day. We were driving back from somewhere and you were on a run. And I was like, there's Hainsey in the house. Oh, he's looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas before, when I used to see you or meet up with you for runs, it'd be fair to say like it was almost that like you were nursing things yeah. and it was hurting and it yeah. was quite obvious to, to yeah. see. And you just looked like you're in a bit more of that flow state and enjoying your running, which is great to see. And I think there'll be a lot of people who can relate to this at mm. home where they think I'm maybe been running through pain for far too long. What well, well, I would advise, and I'm sure you would as well, is take some time to explore why that might be happening. And it, it took you a long time, but it is worth it to, to go deep and try and find why that's happening. And you can come up with solutions. Yeah, I mean, I guess the theme of today is to talk about time. And they something I mentioned to you earlier, but I think I had this big period of time where I had no children. I had um, my job was kind of steady, comfortable. I had managed control of my hours and, you know, I had I was coaching and I was loving that. But every endeavor I made to get back running, um, I just I just wanted to run so much. I'd go out the door, just go, right, this is how it used to be. It'll be like that again. And it wasn't. And I never really stopped, broke that down. And when I did, I tended to get it wrong, but I wouldn't stay the course either. You know, I'd be like, okay. And I, <clears throat> I guess one of the big things that's happened recently is I've had a lot less time. So in the last two, well, so for context, I had... Uh, Firstborn son in 2020 in Iron was born, and then second son only 15 months later, um, Patrick was born. So for all the parents out there, you know that that just kills your time straight away. I got a better uh, promotion in work, and that has eaten into a lot of my time as well. And so time is a complete scarcity all of a sudden, but it has made me hyper-focused on the importance of time. And it's made me hyper-focused on, like, what would I do? Let's say if I have less time, what do I want to spend that time doing? Mm -hmm. And there are a multitude of things I'd like to do, and I can't do them all because I don't have those windows, but running has always and will always be something that I'm desperate to do. And because of that, because I was under no pressure really to get back running, that, those, that kind of competitive old me, door is closed. I was really focused on my kids and like they give a lot of purpose to my life that I didn't feel I needed to rush and be running all the time. I needed to prove anything. I just 
well, if I can get out of a run, that would be lovely. And that created a little bit of space and a little bit of time, much less time, but purposeful time, that got me investigating a few things. And one of those was the relationship between, I have very, very high arches. We just talked about the shoes I got for Christmas and how my footwear and the way that I was running um, was, a prob- was a problem, was causing me those problems. And over the last six year, year to six months, um, along with a few other things, obviously, I've managed to be patient, take the time, work it out, found I can, I'm getting running again, built that slowly back in. But then I've also decided, you know, every time I go out for a run where I have the space to do it is a real blessing because I don't have time. So it's like the joy of the run and the joy of getting it done, it's like hyper intensified. Like it's really great and really, uh, I appreciate it more. So there's even like a level of happiness that I probably didn't appreciate when I had I could do 90 miles a week and I loved it. Um, I didn't really appreciate that that's just not your life. And there's different seasons in your life. And the season I went through between being a competitive runner where my body worked and the 10 years in the middle where it didn't, but I had all the time. That 10 years probably the worst, really, mentally, in the sense of I had the time, but I couldn't do the thing I loved. And I wasted that time. And now I'm no time whatsoever, but I found this kind of, running again is and and this flow that flow state is the best way to explain the difference between what i was feeling to what i now feel doesn't mean i'm faster doesn't mean i'm fitter even doesn't mean i'm competitive but it means i enjoy that run so much more well there's three things i want to unpick there yeah the, f- the first thing and maybe you can grab a bit of your coffee whilst i do but um the first thing is there's a bit of a saying always give a job to a busy person and I quite like that saying because it's so true that they've got less time that they will laser focus yep. in, as you said, to to then get that job done. Whereas if you give a job to somebody who's not so busy, they've got all the time in the world, they'll keep putting it off. It's the yep. classic, you know, when you're a student, oh, I've got all the time in the world till my exam, I'm just going to put off that revision. Yep. And it's similar to, to what you're describing there. Then the other thing around, uh, there's one to unpick around the shoes was something you said to me before we came on was about how you felt in particular types of footwear. And there's been a lot of research into footwear over the years, particularly running shoes. And the number one thing that comes out from all the research when people say, what do they look for when they're picking a shoe and what should you look for? The number one thing is comfort. Mm. And it's like interesting that you were saying, I found myself feeling more comfortable even when I was walking around in more minimalistic shoes. So yeah. the shoe that you then picked yeah. was more of a minimalistic shoe. Yeah. So that that trend kind of lends itself together as yeah, well. Yeah. Well, does does comfort necessarily mean cushion? Like, yeah, I, I good guess point. I guess ultimately, like with these ultra, with the I was wearing a pair of Nike Freeze because like old brain me only knew about. Like, I didn't know this whole world really existed until I researched it. And there's a they're shaped like a foot, so you have this wide toe box. That's a that's a different feel to a typical traditional Pegasus or running, you know, racing shoe. And racing shoes at the moment I've never worn because that was an era before me. I definitely want to try them out. Um, and I know that when I'm talking about comfort and how I feel wearing these minimalist shoes, I'm certainly not advocating that in the modern era with the way that the shoe technology's gone, that we're going to reverse and get faster because we're not. These shoes have like blown the rankings out of water yeah. and and it's a it's a, a piece of technology that is making a massive 
a massive difference in the in the sport and everyone should embrace that and go with that and I like I say I want to try them out but I am not trying to run like my old self I'm not trying to run records I'm trying to go for a run that is really joyful pleasurable and that actually because it is that I've still got a better chance of running fast so I could say that cushioning is more comfortable and it is but I can't run in cushioned shoes because I need to feel I really need a close proximity to the floor related to my high arches there's no they're very rigid cushioning causes this instability so actually a firm hard floor allows my arches to do the work and takes and, and takes away the need for the cushioning now they might that might lead to me being more achy or more sore because I'm used to cushioning I think if I was a child and I never wore cushioned shoes in my life and I only wore minimalist shoes that would my foot would be strong enough to cope with that. A bit so, like the Kenyan approach, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The barn to run, as we were discussing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's plenty of research there, and like personally, I, my kids, I'm going to keep away from anything with a bubble in. Ironically, I have a bubble in. He's <laughs> got his Air Max on while he's doing it. I wear these to work to try and impress people. <laughs> Looks trendy. But, yeah, <laughs> but um, like the kids, yeah, the kids. I would I would say like plimsolls, like get them proprioception on the floor, get them feeling the floor. Um, there's plenty of research there. And as I say, it's not going to overtake or change anyone. If you want to run a fast marathon and you've got those shoes and they feel good, wear them. Like, yeah. They're awesome. We just saw 29 minutes get broken up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Might not just but, be um, the shoes. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, those, I mean, it's just crazy times. And I, I do think that what you have to consider, I guess, for yourself is that individual thing to you. If you sit here and you're watching this and you go, do you know what? I've got really high arches. And keep like, every time I see a physio, they comment on, which is every time I ever saw a physio, I was told, wow, look at your arches. No one ever said, wow, look at your arches. That might be the root cause of a lot of your problems. Yeah. Or did you know footwear matters when you've got high arches? So if you are listening to this, like, get in touch. I'll tell you all about my, <laughs> my journey <laughs> so far. Like I say, don't want to advocate for people changing things because we're all different. Yes. But I yeah. would say if you sound like what I had is your uh, foot shape or whatever, then yeah. And I think you make a really good point. And the third point I wanted to pick up on was exactly that around you've then got to understand, well, what are my goals and, and what is my purpose? So if somebody's wanting to run super fast and they're wanting to compete at the high end, then it's very unlikely that they're going to go to a minimalistic shoe because now they're going to have to compete against people who are in carbon mm -hmm. with the form and we know what that does for the majority of people. And people ask me this all the time, do you think I can compete uh, at the best of my ability in a minimalistic shoe? And I'll be honest with them and say, well, just look at the front end of any elite race. You won't see anybody in a mil yeah. minimalistic shoe. However, in this case, your priority was to get back to running safely for you to enjoy your running. And it's fair to say it isn't about time for you anymore. Nope. It's not about chasing times in the same way. It's, it's not for me. And I guess this is where it brings us onto this conversation around is, is more sometimes too much is less sometimes more because not only has that dictated your shoe choice, mm. it's also helped to dictate what you do with your time yep. in terms of training and maybe being a little bit more sensible. Because when you coach me, there's no way I could get away with saying, actually, I'm just going to take a rest day today because I don't fancy doing that, and it's probably a bit of a risk. I'm trying to compete right at the top end. Yeah. But now, if I feel something, and maybe I should have taken a little bit more of this approach when we were yeah. running, maybe. Yeah. Um, but we know how, such, how much of a fine line that is. But now I'll say, actually, I'm feeling a bit tired. My calves are a bit sore. You know what? I was going to run tomorrow, but I'll push it a day and yeah. I'll run the day after instead. And I yeah. think that's been a big catalyst for getting you back on your feet, hasn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. And 
I think it's a change in mindset for me just because I was obsessed by running every day and wanted to, if there was training set, I wanted to hit it. And I was probably better than some because I know there are some people who just will not deviate from their plan. And being, when I morphed into a coach, that became one of the most frustrating things that I could, um, you know, like deal with and talk to people. Like you've got to learn the the philosophical side of this and understand if running's not right right now, don't run. That doesn't make you better. Not running will make you better. Like, what's the best choice to make you better? Sometimes it's the opposite of what's on a piece of paper. Um, but for me, with the, life, the lifestyle change that I've had, um, is embracing that it's changed. So, you know, people have kids and you always just hear this negative side of things like, oh, yeah, it's so hard and it's, oh, God, I have no time anymore. No, I would love to see my mates. All these things. And you just think, like... Yeah, that, that was my life when I was in my 20s. That was my life in most of my 30s. It's not my life now. <clears throat> and I had kids. And like, if I, I, like, at first, it was jarring. It was really jarring to be like, oh, I can't just leave the house. Like, there's some, I got to stay here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ava's not, not here. Not just responsible yeah. for myself anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then with two, it's like, oh, there's two against two now. This is much <laughs> harder. As I go, even less time. But I, 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 at first that was jarring and maybe I resisted it a bit and maybe I felt like this was unfair. Like, oh, this has all changed. And so now I'm very much of the mindset that's like, oh, actually, it's a joy and I want to embrace it and live with it. And this is like, this is the chaos that we create, which is like fun to navigate. And I think within that, then you start to, like you said about time being hyper-focused on things, you, you focus in on, but also running's fun and a joy. And I don't want it to detract from this other part of my life. So I see people and there's conflict because they go, well, I want to run and the kids are there and this is now like, do I, don't I? Well, I'll annoy my partner if I go and do this. And I kind of go, yeah, but I also don't want to put myself in that sense of like anxiety or guilt or whatever that I I tend to want to steer clear of guilt because it's not guilt. Like, but like that, like, oh, am I looking at my clock when I'm with my kids? Am mm-hmm. I thinking about like Ava's emotional state when I'm leaving her, those sorts of things? So I just removed that and I was like, I love this life. I love the fact that I'm running again. When's the window that I can go that allows me to love that without any pressure? So for I went this morning, at, I got up at five o'clock in the morning. Kids, our kids fortunately sleep pretty well and they sleep through till 7.30 or so. <clears throat> so I got a couple of hours. Yeah. Well, I mean, they sleep. So we got to get up at seven because I go to work. But like, I got up at five, took about half an hour, just got to mobilize my ankles and my feet and roll my back and those sort of things. And um, got out the door about 5.40 and did my, uh, I did a fartlet this morning, but on Saturday did the same thing and did a long run. Those are those windows where I feel like I'm not under any pressure. So it's a joy. And I come back and then when it's like, We've got, you know, you've got an hour with the kids or later tonight when I go home, bedtimes used to be a stress because I'd be going, I want to go training. I want to go do something. Oh, God, I've got to get kids. Go. Now I'm just like, oh, I've got hours. I'm not yeah. doing anything. I've done my training this morning. So I, I've morphed into that. And the part around, therefore, when I look at my calendar and I know I've got a really busy day and I know Ava's got to be at work early because she sometimes is in very early. Um, the kids have got this and that, the other. I just remove running as a stress because I go like, well, I really want to run tomorrow, but it's not going to fit and be enjoyable. It's go- If I fit it in, I'm going to be worrying about it, anxious about it. It's going to annoy me. It's probably going to annoy Ava. Probably going to mean I'm not as good as I could be around the kids. So let's go back to today's rest day. And that's not 
there's also days where I listen to my body. There's also days where I go, I'm not running today because my calves are sore. But those are the decisions that I would never have made before that I've shifted that mindset to be like, actually, I'm getting way more back from my running when I put it in a place where it works for me, my family, because then I have everything I want and I'm getting way more back from that. So that less is more as it relates to your schedule and your life, your seven days in a week. Yeah, we've all got 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but we've all got different lives. And it doesn't mean because someone you saw on social media or someone you uh, run with or when you were coached back in the day was doing five, six, seven days a week, two interval sessions, long run, etc. Because they're doing all that, you're going to be worse off if you do less. Because I think if you do less, but it works for you, and you're happy, free-flowing, recovering, and the rest of your life works around it, you'll get as much back. I think there's, well, there's a lot of research as well to suggest that if you're enjoying what you do, enjoying the process, the, the results tend to take care of themselves. And by enjoying it more, you're getting more of a benefit. And you see it quite often where people are a slave to the program. And as a result, it becomes detrimental and they can either overdo it or they're just not enjoying it. And they risk things like burnout and fatigue, which we've touched on before on previous podcasts. I've done one uh, with Matt Long on that type of stuff and we do touch on it regularly. But I think there's another thing that's quite fascinating there because you've kind of drifted towards the trails a little bit as well as myself and Gemma have. And I think naturally from the environment we come from you know we don't want to compete in that space anymore on the track or the road we know the demands of that and I think there's a little bit of we don't want to compare ourselves to that certainly I don't um but Gemma's love was like she actually had a look at what does she love doing and she loves going exploring those areas regularly which I think you do too and then then there's the family side to it like we see a lot of families who travel out to these uh trail events and they spend time with their kids in an environment where they want to yeah. bring their kids up as yeah. well. And their kids see their parents exercising and hiking and yeah. running. So then it isn't a burden. It's like almost excitement for the kids as well. And Absolutely. I think that's really important. Oh, I, I, like hit the nail on the head. Something that Ava and I talk about. Um, I should say Ava's my wife, obviously. That, if that hasn't come across at this point, that's <laughs> <laughs> Actually, who, 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 am I, who am I living with? But um yeah, Ava and I talk about this um, frequently, which is um, we want the boys to see us being physically active. We want them to see and ask questions. So I also go to the gym um, less regularly than I was when I was running less because I've kind of flipped that on his head a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed going to the gym. And that was when the kids were much li- uh, smaller. Um, and I think like anybody who has kids, you'll know that like I put on a lot of weight. So in the first year of well, first, probably between the two kids, when Patrick arrived that first year when they were still still so young, I would got up to like 11 and a half stone, which is like I raced at eight and a half stone. For a okay, con- so that's context. like three stone yeah. heavier than your racing weight when you were which younger. Which was wild. Yeah. And I, um, and it wasn't, I wasn't happy. Like I, I, I did that whole spiel a minute ago about like, like now the joy and of kids and everything else. But I was in a situation where I was tired and I was run down. So it was like not an unhappiness that was uh, non-circumstantial. It was obviously why I was unhappy. But I was like, if you don't sleep as much, you have like a shift in your eating, uh, your metabolism and hormonal balances and things like that. And it's really common for people to put weight on when you have kids and you don't sleep. Um, but it was just, it just spiraled out of control. And where I am now um, is also like a journey that Ava and I talk about saying to the boys like, oh, 
Yeah, daddy's off to the gym. He's doing. He's going to do weights. So show us your muscles. You know, do that. <laughs> and then right, daddy's off for a run, or uh, mummy's off for a run now. And they really like. They know all. They know we run already. You know, they're like, oh, oh. Well, and Ivan's always like, are you going to get muddy, daddy? Don't come near me if you get muddy. You know, he's <laughs> like, or don't come near if you get sweaty. But we want that to become a part of of uh, their life. And you hit the nail on the head with the um, taking them to be outdoors and places. Very similar to Gemma's love of this. I ran. Saturday morning, I put a head torch on and I did yeah, the, a, a route round here, which Lewis will know very well, the Outwards, Beacon, Broom, Briggs, Bradgate. Love it. Loop. Love that route. <clears throat> I did it at 6, it's 5.30 in the morning with a head torch, which is pitch black, and 16 miles. And I did it because I wanted to do it, if that makes sense. Like, I did it because it was like, conventional wisdom should not just jump to 16 miles when you've previous long run i had done 15 miles but like a month or so before and before that it was like 12 miles and the other side of this is like i've not really run with a head torch for 16 miles around countryside i had no idea what was going to happen but i just wanted to do it and i'm in that lovely state of time in life where it's like do it then you know go and go and do it and then set me up for the whole day i loved it i had the best time out there so i think it creates a world where you're going to take your kids out you're going to be more outdoorsy Maybe less so than what my mum did to me and my dad, my mum and dad both ran uh, when I was a kid and they dragged the three brothers to cross-country races. That's maybe less fun. Uh, but taking them to places like uh, the Peak District or abroad even, you know, with some of the races you're going, um, it's just it's aspirational. It's what you want. If that's what you think is good for life, then um, what a, what a Brucey bonus of the thing you love doing anyway. So I'm going to add a bit of context here around that long run because that's a long run I love to do now. And if you said to me, look, I'm going to get up at 5.30 in the morning, going to put the head torches on, going to go and do 16 miles, I'd be like quite excited about that now. But back when you were coaching me and you set me 16 miles before I was going to do a work day in Manchester and it had some pickup in there, like it was a very different feeling. Like it was, yes, I still knew I had to do it, but I wouldn't say I was excited about it. And I think that's the message I want to get across to people here is that sometimes it's okay to not be excited about it, but you've still sometimes got to find a way to do it. But it depends what the goal is for you. Because at that day, I I mapped literally out a three-mile loop because I knew it was going to be dark. So a three-mile loop that I knew had streetlights that I was just going to keep repeating for 16 miles so I could do my pickup. Whereas now I'd be like, well, you know what, I'm going to do the head torch, go a lot slower, just t- just enjoy it and go out because that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It's a very different goal. But I think both of us get frustrated by sometimes what we see on social media. And, and Matt and I have picked up on this in a previous podcast around this culture of you must do this, you must do that, you must work more. Hence the, the title of this podcast, like less is sometimes more. We're not saying to people, don't train and you'll just become better. Yep. But what we are saying to people is like, you know, we're in a phase right now of January where a lot of people promote like run every day in, in January. And I'm just like, no, don't yeah. do that. If that's not what's right for you, like if it's right for you, yeah. fine. Yeah. But we sometimes are quick to pick on what other people or pick up on what other people do. And we think that's going to be right for us. And I think I learned a lot from you when you were coaching me to kind of forget about other people, focus on yourself. But it is so hard, isn't it? It's it's incredibly hard because of those pressures of social media. And like I get inca- incredibly frustrated because most of social media tries to tell people, look, we've all got 24 hours in a day. You just, there's no excuses, no excuses. Get out there, get after it. And it's like, there's loads of excuses. It's like 
so many excuses. And and excuses may be the wrong term, but there's so many reasons why it might not be right to to go for your run or to push yourself on a day when you shouldn't push yourself. And to find, like, you know, cliched as it may be, that why you go out and do something. Like, why are you doing this? Like, there are times, and if you're training for a marathon and we've set you a session, that that session's going to make you better it's not going to make you better if you run it badly in a time when you can't fit it in. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to, it won't make you better. So, so completion, uh, there's a quote and it's something like, don't confuse um, activity with action, I think. So it's like, just because you did something doesn't mean it delivered you something. It doesn't mean it did it. And like, how many people will you know go, uh, yeah, I did my six mile tempo, Lou. And um, I know you told me to run it at six minute mile in, uh, but guess what? Did it at 540. And you were like, okay, well, that sounds like much faster than six minute pace. How did it feel? Not going to lie. Got to two miles, wanted to die. Yeah. Got to four miles and I was just like all arms, just getting myself to the finish. You'll go, that's not done you the same that the six minute mile in. Six minute mile was better for you. Less was more. The slower pace was better for you because you would have controlled it. You've got the adaptation, the benefits, the smoothness. You don't want to be two miles into a marathon re- recruiting your arms to get you around the next 24 miles. Like Extreme examples, but that kind of concept that you're driven to, if you, if you complete it, you have com- you've done it and it's made you better. It's not true. And, and, and like there's a, there's a whole probably conversation we could have for another day because it's a long conversation around what is look and feel versus what does your watch tell you? And I've listened to your podcast, obviously, and we've known each other years. So we both prescribed the same philosophies on the watch is a great guide for you. And it's so helpful for us in an age where we're not able to watch everybody. And and New Levels Coaching is large in large um, uh, on online coaching. So you've got people who we rely on data to support them. But I rely heavily on athletes telling me how they felt. And also we go back to the days when we ran together or I coached you and others, there will be sessions where you could see somebody running and you just know exactly, you know, this is the day they're going great. And then you might say today more is more. I'm going to, we're going to go a bit harder here because I can see it. I can just see it. I'm not going to tip you over the edge. And if we do run a bit slower and I, and like we, you mentioned a session, um, and we've talked about it before. It's a really great session before you ran your three K PB. Where as we were, it was ten by six hundred, I think, and as we approached the last rep, we had someone who was helping pace you through four hundred meters, and I just went over to him and said, "You know, go through in sixty and he was like, "Really, you know we've been doing sixty twos or whatever, and I was like, "Maybe even faster, just get, get I, I, at the time, I'm not sure he was up for doing that fast, mm. you know, so it was like, "Go for it, just get out there he he's going to be fine, and he's going to sit on you, and then whenever you're ready to drop out, if you can get to four hundred good, if you can't, don't worry, just go for it." And we had this great last lap. It led into this great uh, season where you raced and ran a PB, and it, but it was a massive confidence booster. In the same vein, with two reps to go, I could have said, races in two weeks, I don't think you need these last two reps because you are absolutely there. It was just that we'd had a bit of a shorter season with races, so we'd only race once, and it was like, actually, this this session is going to count. This one is going to make you a bit faster. But you've been there before with athletes where you're like, you're there. Let's yeah. dial back. Let's, you know, I, my old coach, when I first started, when I was 17, 18. I remember I was in really good shape and we had 12 by 400 and at 10, he pulled me. And I was furious. I was like, 
oh, I, I'm, you know, this young kid, precocious. I wanted to finish a session. And he's like, you don't need to. What are you on about? Like, you're absolutely flying and you've got a race coming up. And I ran a PB. So there's this this idea of less is more is like the only people who really challenge it can't handle psychologically stopping or cutting or thinking that if they're doing something easier, they're making themselves better. Almost everyone that has joined New Levels Coaching that I've worked with has struggled early on with the paces I set because I always start them out slow. You know, mm. this will do for now. And like, I can run faster now. I've been doing that with my club for weeks. It's like, you don't need to now though. You will, and you'll run faster, but that'll be eight, 10 weeks down the road. And people struggle with that idea. But it's the, it's trying to change mindsets around, like if I'm hurting, if I'm pushing, if it, I've done 10 extra miles in a week, I'm better off. It's just, it's not true. Well, there's a couple of things here, I think, linked together nicely. The, the Strava culture, which we mentioned a lot, it's not just yourself now. You're you're thinking it's going to go on Strava and people are going to see it. So I've also got to impress the whole wide world by putting a session out. Um, but it isn't one session that's going to make a difference. Like That one session you gave an example of, it definitely did make a difference. It definitely gave me a confidence boost. And I'd say actually the confidence side of that was the biggest factor as opposed to the the kind of the physical right. fitness. Yeah. Um, but it had actually been laid up over a few weeks. Like we'd done some fours the week before. And I remember like going into it feeling quite confident, feeling exactly as you said, feeling like I was in shape. Yeah. Uh, and I'll never forget going down to that session and asking you where we should start out at. And then you just gave me a time to start out at. And then every rep I came around and said, do you want it a similar pace? And can we never really discuss times for that session? It just, it just happened. And then the other thing, I had a really interesting call with a, a coach of mine who's kind of a, a bit of a mentor in the trails. And I say mentor, I've been listening to his podcast for the last year. Gemma got me a consultation with him for Christmas, which was a really cool present. Uh, coach Jason Coop. And, you know, I've got another consultation with him and I'm going through that learning cycle because I feel like there's still a lot to learn. But I took a lot of confidence from it as well. And he was very complimentary about how we're planning things. And one of the questions I had for him was around, you know, a lot of people are obsessed with paces on the track, the road. What about trails? Like, how are you calculating it? And he said, how would you calculate it? And I said, well, we use RPE, which is a scale we talk about a lot, rate of perceived exertion. We're going to do a podcast episode on that next, actually, with, with Matt, about how you can use a scale from 0 to 10 to help you judge your effort. Yeah. And he said, I'm glad you've said that because I still use that to this exact day and it works like, and it still does work. Yeah. And because it's so hard to calculate paces on trail. So it comes down to feel and the effort. And he actually made a really good point, which I'd never really thought of before when he said, you look at the session, and I think you touched on this before we even came on, around what are you trying to get from that session? You know, what, what physiological adaptations are you trying to get from that session? Well, if you program some splits into that and you say, right, you're going to run those splits, then you actually might not get that physiological adaptation from that session if those splits are too hard on that day because you might yep. bonk and then not finish the session. Whereas actually, if you run that session to feel entirely, you're more likely to get yeah. the physiological response that you're looking for yep. from that session, which was the whole purpose you of will. that session being in the plan. You will get it. You, like, yeah. that, that is like without needing to go into the science bit. That's how training works. Stress plus rest is, equals adaptation. The stress can't exceed your ability to recover from it. You're, the stress needs to be in a state where you're running how you want to race, really, how you look and feel and all the rest. And I've been in a situation in a great uh, uh, athlete I coach called Laura. Obviously, you know Laura. Um, 
And prior to her flying out to America to try and qualify for Rio, we did four by a mile of three minutes, which is a textbook sort of 5K session tune up right before you go. And we went down to the track and Laura was very like in the detail, like, well, well what are we doing? Well, I need to know. I need to know. Well, you've got a pacemaker, Rob, so you don't need to know because Rob will do it. And I just said, look, I think we're going to start at, um, I think it was like 5.05 pace. Um, and so she was training to run at the time, like she exceeded what she did run, exceeded what we were sort of training at in terms of like paces and things. But she was training to run somewhere around five minute mile in. And I could sense she was like, well, what am I going to get from running slower than this? Or like, whatever. Yeah. And then she did it. And then the next rep, she ran faster Then she split five twice in the, in the final two reps. And on the final rep, she pushed Rob off the track. Get out of the way. Like, you're too slow now. And she just took control of it. She was feeling great. She was flowing. And afterwards, she kind of, like, credited me, like, oh, yeah, you you, you set this up. And I was like, not really. Like, I knew you could handle 505. I knew that wouldn't hurt you. And then I just said, go faster. You know, like, yeah. you decided, really. You ended up, the two of you decided. And she's going, oh, so the average of that means I can now. I go, no, not really. You've done four miles that you'll now absorb. Because when you finish that session, you looked awesome yeah. and you were in control and you felt awesome. So it's not like, it's not to say there isn't a guardrail. We know these are the paces. You, you know, I wasn't going to start at 520. It'd be no, redundant. It'd be pointless. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't going to start uh, super fast because I'm not stupid. But ultimately, what's, it, what's five seconds? Like, is it, when you see somebody run and you know their next thing they're going to do is go to Sacramento in the most perfect conditions race conditions you can ever run in um then if you can do this in a loughborough track on a tuesday morning with your husband pacing you evidently having to get shoved off the track and get out of the way sort of thing like this is going to work so rpe i think is a, is a brilliant example for the trails <clears throat> and and like yeah how do you think differently because you haven't got those those splits but it converts to everything Absolutely, I think. It and, does. And, and you'll get your splits if you focus on that yeah you'll get them you will end up doing it and you know i think that's a lesson for everybody is that you know take listen to that from your coach before you obsess over this watch it's that big obsession isn't it with particularly like marathon runners i find when you give them like marathon blocks in long runs before a marathon and they want to see the exact splits that they want to run for the marathon in those marathon blocks. Mm. They want to say, let's say somebody's aiming to run their marathon blocks at eight minute miles. So you've given them some easy running, big, big, long run. Let's say they're going to do 20 miles and 10 of it is going to be at marathon pace. And I prefer marathon effort. And they want the eight minute miles to be their marathon effort pace. That's 3.30-ish for, for a marathon. It's five minute kilometers if you prefer to work in kilometers. So you're looking at eight minutes and they want to run exactly on eight minutes or inside. They don't want to run the other side of it because if they do, they think that, well, that says I'm not going to be able to run eight minutes for a marathon. But it's not an exact science. We're not setting the session to judge what you're going to be able yeah. to run for Just the marathon. Just enter a race every exactly, week. Exactly, yeah. And then see what happens. When we'd find out. Yeah, yeah. We're setting the session because we want a physiological response. We also want a physical response. Yeah. We want, you know, the, the tissues to break down. And as you said, stress plus the rest will equal yeah. the growth. But we're not asking you to do it because that's what we believe you can run for the marathon. In fact, if you did eight-minute miles, I probably think you could run faster in the marathon. Yeah, yeah. But people yeah. become so obsessed with, again 
this this time, uh, mm-hmm. which is why again we're, we're going with the theme here of is sometimes less more. And don't please don't confuse this with you don't need to train hard because yeah, there's yeah. a time and a place for that. But sometimes forcing things, and I think this was one of my big learnings from you as a coach to an athlete. Forcing things is net for me is never the answer. Yeah. If you're forcing it, it's very different for you than you putting the effort in. Yeah, and the forcing phrase there is the bit that you just get out of everybody's psyche is that if you're looking at your training plan ahead and you're thinking, I've got to do this and this is the window and it's going to happen in this way and you know you'll be under pressure and you know you're going to be stressed and you're in a rushed window, it's lunch hour or whatever it is and you don't have the time, either adapt, change it, or don't do it. Those are better than forcing it in when you haven't got the time to do it or forcing it in when you don't have the mental space to be ready for that or forcing it in. And if you're somebody like me that needs probably 20 to 30 minutes where I can just relax, uh, stretch my feet, ankles, roll my back, get a bit ready for for going out the door and you have an hour to do an hour session, that's not going to work, is it? So like if I just say, well, that's my window and I'm going to do it, I'd be better not to do it. And I know that I agree with you entirely that the message from today is certainly not you can do less and achieve the same. That's not necessarily true. It's definitely not a shortcut. A shortcut is the wrong way to try and achieve something. What we're saying is when you're in a situation that isn't optimal to adapt, to get the benefits of running, to come away mentally confident and um, recover for the next day, then doing less will be better for you to, to achieve what you're ultimately doing. And that's every every person is going to have a different journey in this. Like every person who contacts New Levels Coaching, one of the first questions you ask them is, how many days can you commit to training? And it doesn't mean how many days can you commit to training for the next 12 months. It's like right now, if we wanted to increase it in six weeks to 12 weeks based on your performance and long term, and somebody might say, I have three days a week. That's all I can give you. My life dictates that. And you're like, okay, and are you comfortable in those three days to do X? Yeah, I am. Grand. That's where you're going to get your best returns from. Now, if you really wanted to make the improvements and you could adapt your life to do five days as you got better, better fitter, faster, more conditioned, then yeah, we could do more with that. Um, but ultimately, if you can't, we would be forcing it and that would break you down and it wouldn't work. It's a really good point. My first question now, if they're coming to me for coaching, is what time do we have? Yeah. You know, how many hours can you can you spare in your week? Uh, and then long term planning now, you know, I look at the goal and let's say the goal is in the summer uh, and I backtrack. That's how I work. I backtrack from the goal and start to to kind of periodize that plan. And I say, right, OK, well, let's have a look at some points in that plan where where are you busy? Have you got any weddings coming up? Have you got any holidays planned in? Let's put them straight in there because I'm looking at the time that we've got to play with. And and again, what can they commit to that plan? To kind of finalize all this and wrap it all up, let's add a little bit of science to this kind of less is more because people be still sat there and, and rightly so, they'll be a little bit dubious about, well, as you said, how can you do less and and get more from it? So I'm going to flip it on its head and say, okay, well, let's have a look at some of the science behind doing more or training harder or training too hard. So one thing that springs to mind for me, and maybe we can go back and forth with this here is, 
uh, I used to find that if I was training too hard or training too much and I was becoming too fatigued, then I wasn't sleeping very well. Mm. Now, if I'm not sleeping very well, I'm not recovering very well. And that's then having a negative impact on my performance. So some of the science behind that is going, well, actually, if I've trained too hard and I'm not recovering as well, part of that stress plus rest equal growth, part of that equation is now damaged, the rest part. So there's one thing that is is quite damaging about training more, just to kind of give a little bit of substance to this to say, look, it's not about just training less, but let's give you some examples about why training too hard or pushing things too hard is sometimes a little bit too much. Yeah, optimal training. Um, So if you were, I guess, let's talk about coaching the the elites that you coach now and the elites I've coached. Optimal training to probably most of the people who who are listening to this is a lot of training. There is a lot of training involved. And even within that context, so for me, I would average between 80 and 90 miles a week, um, up to 100 when I uh, uh, was training for the marathon, a half marathon. That's a lot of training. So it's kind of like people going, yeah, so what do you want about? You do hardly any, you're doing 30 miles a week now. It's like, but I was trying to achieve something with that with that training program that it's different to what I'm trying to achieve now. And I was also, fundamentally, that would have made me happy to have achieved what I achieved. And it often didn't make me happy because <laughs> I didn't achieve it. And the, when, the reasons I didn't achieve some of the things was because I got it wrong, because yeah. I went too far and I tipped over the balance. Now, I was sensible enough and I had a very, very good coach and some very, very good mentors that I understood largely that, not like pushing, going out too hard. And I certainly learned it later in my running that I converted that into coaching, which has been a massive benefit. I was lucky that I didn't traditionally push too hard, but I got all my injuries off the back of times where I was definitely at the at the red line and I stepped over it, yeah. all of them. Not, not accident, nothing really happened accidentally. I can go back and go, oh yeah, I did that 10K race. And the next day I got up really early, didn't prepare, went out for a 10 milo and sat on my desk at work, stood up and slipped my disc. Like that's not, oh, that's unlucky. No, it's not unlucky. I didn't, I raced at 100% intensity, ran a PB, and then didn't look after myself for the next 48 hours, and I got injured. That happened multiple times when I look back at, at training, and that I'm very like aware of that now. So in those circumstances, and in all circumstances, there is an optimal training for somebody. But right now, if I can do four days a week, and I love it, I'm getting what I want out of it. And I will go and race, and I'm, I'm there's a part of me that's kind of like, when I think about racing, like, oh, but what will I, well, how will I finish? Like, what, what position will I finish? And I'm like, what am I on about? I haven't raced in 10 years. Just go and enter something and finish it. Yeah. Like, that would be success. And I'm, I, I'm struggling a little bit with that, if I'm honest. Like, that's not something that's like, I still have that little bit that's like, if I'm in a race, I want to race. <clears throat> and I think I probably still will try. And Absolutely. It, maybe this will be a conversation where you go, yeah, more. That was too much. You didn't live, you didn't live your <laughs> ideals there. If I go out in my first ultra race and I'm like, you know, hanging on for dear life for 25 <laughs> miles as opposed to the last five miles, you might be like, yeah, that you, you, you got that wrong because your ego took over and we're all human and we'll make those mistakes. But I understand uh, that, yeah, what, what we're talking about here is optimal training isn't pushing the boundary. It isn't pushing the red line. The boundary is okay because you're you, you want to make it to the, the highest you can possibly make it and you'll experiment with that. But inevitably, you'll get it wrong if you go too far. And that's a really good example for anyone. And you've applied it really well there to particularly the kind of the, the higher end, the elite side. I'm going to 
go one one step further here and go so say people right everyday runners who will definitely be able be able to relate to this who run their easy runs too fast which mm-hmm. we see a lot with new levels yeah. coaching and they say i can't slow down i can't do it i just i can't and here's one of the detriments to that so again you'd think well if i run fast I, faster i get more benefit but the science says, well, if you're running faster all the time, like we've just mentioned here, we want to get certain physiological responses and adaptations from different sessions. If you're going out and running your easy runs too fast, then it might be then having an impact on a session later on in the week where we want you to run a little bit faster and you no longer can. Yeah. So we can't then get that physiological response, which is so important to you because that's what we're looking to improve. Like we already know you can run your easy runs too fast. That's not what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, exactly. Which what it's comes down to that point that you're saying is like what are we trying to achieve here and you've come to us for that advice so people who are listening who are saying i can't slow my easy runs down you can (laughs) you can yeah it's about practice figuring out how to do it if it means running and doing a little bit of a walk to have to do that great like i'm telling you great um but figure out a way of doing it because once you master that it'll open up a whole world to you about accessing some faster paces which will get the right physiological responses and in your last podcast or the podcast before you introduced the term jeffing to me which did not i did not think i'd be hearing the word jeffing related to running it made me think when you first hear it isn't it up here especially it's like swearing isn't it yeah it's uh i was like are they saying this right but yeah um uh, it's on that point of the I can't, the I can't, there are certain things you can't do, which is if we set you, can you go out at three minute per mile pace? No, I can't. Nobody in, on earth can do that. Okay, can you go slower? Yes, that is definitely doable, yes. right? And it's this idea that I just can't. No, you won't. Like, you won't. You, you, you can, but you're not allowing, you're not taking control and controlling your ego and controlling the part of you that doesn't believe us. Like, ultimately... By running faster than your coach says you should run, you're taking matters into your own hands and saying, that bit's not right. It is right, but ultimately there's proof will be in the pudding and if you don't you know, if you don't want to listen, then that's fine. And my uh, coach, Tony, he had an athlete once and he said, I want you to go out and last in this race. It's a really good quality race. I want you to go out and dead last. And he went, I can't go out and dead last. And he went, actually the only position I can guarantee you can get to is dead last. Because if I say I want you to go out first, someone might just run faster and you can't get to the front of them and then you can't get to pass second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. So true. But there's no one behind you. So if you just wait till seven people go, you can come in eighth and you are in last. It's the only thing you can do. And they were like, I don't want to. He's like, now that's a different different conversation. And and I'm going to say, you know, you are going to do that. That's well, that's the strategy. And, and ultimately, she goes past six or seven people and it works out in the end. Of course but, it does. Yeah, yeah, Of course exactly. it does. I think before we wrap it up, another point to touch on is with with that in mind is like, I really like that, the, the can't. Is it that you can't do it or is it you won't do it? And in relation to easy running, somebody said to me at the weekend, yeah, but it hurts when I run easier. It's actually biomechanically better for me to run faster. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Mm. I was like, and it probably does feel a bit better. I was like, but if I asked you to go and do that for a marathon, I'll tell you which one will hurt more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It'll absolutely. be the one that's faster. And I yeah. said, the reason it feels biomechanically better is because you've just done that your entire yeah. time. Yeah. You're not used to it. But yeah. if you get used to it, you will get used to it because you got used to this pace at, at one point. Yeah, and, and there's a really good, like, and there is something in this for people that see, like Mo Farah, you guys, when you went to Font Romeau, I remember you guys coming back from training um, with the late, great John Nuttall, and you came back and you were like, 
Mo is absolutely flying all the time. He's running so fast. And I remember thinking, okay. And there was a little bit of a period where a friend of ours was like, I'm going to do all my runs at six minute mile or five forty five minute mile because that's what Mo does. And I was like, well, Mo is also running a minute and a half faster than you over 10K. Yeah. So there's a difference there to begin with. So relative to his fastest pace, Mo has every single advantage to recover that you don't have as well. You've got to go to work. Like you can't just say that person's running fast all the time. What's his heart rate when he's doing that? Yeah. And and yes, you will feel better. And what the goal really is, is to run slow to begin with so that the when you get fitter and fitter and fitter, you actually are able to run at the with a better cadence because it's fair to say um, you feel better. You want to run with good form, but running with good form does require, will inevitably, if you can hold it for a longer period of time, be a bit faster. Yeah, You've got to build to that position. What's your heart rate doing? What's your RPE? You're supposed to be whatever, three or four. You're supposed to be going easy and you can't do that even though it feels better. You can't stay there. If you stay there, you'll get fitter and slowly but surely the paces will come but your RPE won't go up. You'll still be in the same position of exertion. So it's that understanding and that patience and this is a great way to kind of wrap things up when we're talking about time patience is like the ultimate thing when we're talking about time it's like you may have lots of time as we talked about start this podcast you may have very little time like i have at the moment but you can control what you do with that time how patient you are control your ego and your thought process and understand why you're doing it and what what it's going to achieve and you can form a life around that that doesn't impact everything else and and patience is is the key as we say a lot of time and if I had a pound for every time I've heard people say, yeah, but I've just not got the time. And then a year down the line, it's like, oh, I wish I'd have given myself yes. the time because time flies. It yeah. goes so quick yeah. and uh, it's gone so quick today. Yeah. I've loved every single minute of it, every second of it. I've learned a lot as always when I do, when I chat with, chat with you, Hainsey. Um, we are going to get another one planned in, yep. in time. We know we've we've already got two or three episodes lined up, <laughs> which I'm sure you'll all be glad to hear. Which will be like five or six by the time we get to it. Yeah. Keep Probably. coming up with ideas, yeah. But it's great. I'm glad you could finally join us. I, I hope you've enjoyed it. it as much as I have. I've loved it, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Brill. And we hope you've taken a lot away from that. Uh, yes, time-wise, less is sometimes more. We're not encouraging you to not go out and train because, as always, we want to encourage you to enjoy your running. But that is very much the message. Continue to enjoy whatever training it is that you do. And we hope to see you out there on the roads, track, and the trails very, very soon.